Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Good evening and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? I'm your host, Chad Knight, and let's jump right into Welcome to My Mind Mare. So, I kind of had a problem putting together this week's Welcome to My Mind Mare. Um, 2017. Um, I want to talk about 2017 because 2016 just got over. Uh, and I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is let's not fuck it up. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, let's be honest. 2016 took a good portion of my childhood and put it six feet underground. So, you know, 2017, if you, if you could leave some of what's left of my childhood and, and my fandoms, that'd be really good. Um, things are changing in 2017. And not for the podcast. The podcast will go on as it has now for about six months. But things for me personally are changing. Um. My daughter, Emma, who, uh, who's with us tonight, by the way, um, is going to be leaving in the fall for UW-Milwaukee. Um, she'll be a freshman in college, and in the fall, my youngest daughter will be a sophomore, or, well, I'm sorry, will be a junior in high school. She's a sophomore right now. When did I get this old? I mean, when? <laughs> How? <laughs> Why does this happen? But anyway, um, what else is on my mind? You know, not a whole lot. Um, as we're recording this, we're a couple days from Evercon. Um, so that's on my mind, but we've got everything well in hand on that. So that just has to happen now and, and, and move along. So another thing that's on my mind is, um, I, I have new recording equipment, uh, for the podcast. Uh, we are not using it on this podcast yet because Though I have everything I need, I have everything I need except one cable, which is now in the mail, coming to me from somewhere in uh, New York State. So, hopefully by the next episode of this, I will be on the new equipment, and things will sound even better than they already do. So, with that said, let's go ahead and get into uh, talking with our guest. So, um, Emma Knight, who is my daughter... Uh, has decided that it is finally time for her to come on the podcast and have a little fun with Dad. So, she's the first guest who really kind of makes me nervous. And why would she make me nervous? She's my daughter. <laughs> um, she's, uh, she's very opinionated. And that kind of possibly will uh, cause issues uh, in this podcast because I am also very opinionated. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, you know, I love her to death. Um, I, I really have no idea what she's going to talk about or wh what she's going to say. So say hello to everyone and tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and anything about yourself you want to tell us. Okay, well, hi, I'm Emma. Um, I'm your daughter. Um, I am a senior in high school. I do forensics. I dance. I like to talk. Um, that is a true statement. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something else, and it completely vanished from my brain. So, so you, you work. Where do you I work? work? I work at Claire's right now. And you get to play the piercing princess. Yeah. I, I hear get... about that all the time. She's the piercing princess. Yeah, I have to like wear my prom dress to work and take all of the piercings, which I don't really like doing, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to jump now into a segment I call Today in History, and then we'll get back and we'll talk about your topic. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right, so Today in History, um, and as I always say, I get all my information from www.history.com slash This Day in History. So for January 13th, 1128, Pope recognizes Knights Templar. On this day in 1128, Pope Heronius the second grants a papal sanction to the military order known as the Knights Templar, declaring it to be an army of God. 
Led by the Frenchman Hughes de Paines, the Knights Templar organization was founded in 1118. Its self-imposed mission was to protect Christian pilgrims on their way to the Holy Land during the Crusades, the series of military expeditions aimed at defeating Muslims in Palestine. The Templars took their name from the location of their headquarters at Jerusalem at Jerusalem's Mount or Temple Mount. For a while, the Templars had only nine members, mostly due to their rigid rules. In addition to having noble birth, the knights were required to take the strict vows of poverty, obedience, and chastity. In 1127, new promotional efforts convinced many more noblemen to join the order, gradually increasing its size and influence. While the individual knights were not allowed to own property, there was no such restriction on the organization as a whole, and over the years many rich Christians gave gifts of their land and other valuables to support the Knights Templar. By the time the Crusades ended unsuccessfully in the early 14th century, the order had grown extremely wealthy provoking the jealousy of both religious and secular powers. In 1307, King Philip IV of France and Pope Clement V combined to take down the Knights Templar, arresting the Grand Master, Jacques de Molay, on charges of heresy, sacrilege, and Satanism. Under torture, Molay and other leading Templars confessed and were eventually burned at the stake. Clement dissolved the Templars in 1312, assigning their property and monetary assets to a rival order the Knights Hospitallers. In fact, though Philip and his English counterpart, King Edward II, claimed most of the wealth after banning the organization from their respective countries. The modern-day Catholic Church has admitted that the persecution of the Knights Templar was unjustified and claimed that Pope Clement was pressured by secular rulers to dissolve the order. Over the century, myths and legends about the Templars have grown including the belief that they may have discovered holy relics at Temple Mount, including the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, or parts of the cross from Christ's crucifixion. The imagined secrets of the Templars have inspired various books and movies, including the blockbuster novel and film, The Da Vinci Code. So, did you learn anything? Yeah, I learned that people like to burn people at the stakes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... I usually like to talk about today in history. Um, I find it interesting because of such movies as, you know, the Da Vinci Code um, and, and things like that. Books, tons of books about this kind of thing. Um, and, and the fact that they are a true order that once actually did exist is kind of a neat fact. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they were uh, taken down and burned at the stake is actually why... Friday the 13th is considered a bad thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because in uh, 1311, when, um, or 1307, uh, when they took down uh, uh, the Knights Templar, mm-hmm. they were arrested on Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. So that's where that little, little bit of information comes from. So, with that said, this is the moment of truth. You get to tell me what topic we're talking about. And then from there, we we talk about it for the next 35, 40 minutes, something like that. Cool with that. So, all right, what are we what are we talking about? Um, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Okay, now, my first question is going to be, are we talking mm-hmm. about the Harry Potter books, or are we talking about the Harry Potter movies, or are we just talking about the world in general? Let's just do the world in general. Okay. So, all right, let's start with that. So, Harry Potter, when did you read your first Harry Potter book? I think it was the summer before fourth grade, maybe. Okay, so that would have made you about how old? Seven, like eight. Se- seven, eight, okay. Um, I read the first one, and then I got about halfway through the second one, and it scared me, so I put it down for a while, and then I came back, and I swear I read that book, like, the beginning of that book, like, three times before I ever finished it. Okay, so now when you're talking books, let's mm-hmm. let's talk titles. Mm-hmm. So the first one is Harry Potter and the and the Sorcerer's Stone, mm-hmm. um, and you read that one when you were seven or eight. Yeah, and then you started to read the second book, which is uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Okay, and the Chamber of Secrets, um, just for a rough overview for people who might understand why this would be so scary to a seven or eight year old, <laughs> uh, Harry, uh, the school is infested by a basilisk, mm-hmm. um, and the basilisk is uh, is. A giant snake. Yeah, it's well, it's a giant snake lizard kind of thing, depending on which 
yeah. history you you look yeah. at in, in the movies in it was movies, definitely a giant snake, snake thing and if you make eye contact with it it turns you into stone mm-hmm. and if you're in that form of stone for too long you die mm-hmm. even if you are a wizard or a witch right so i can see how that would scare you yeah because the snake was like going around in the pipes and stuff and i was like well there are pipes in our house I'm like is there a basilisk in our house and i i obviously i know that's dumb now but like i was young so right so, when did you finally get all the way through that second book? I don't know. I remember I remember reading it one time. I don't know. I think you must have been at... We must have been at a play rehearsal with you, because I remember I picked it up the second time. Like, I remember it was in the WCT building. Okay. So, I remember I picked it up again then, but I, can't, I couldn't okay. tell you. And really. once you made it through that second book, the then rest I, of them just yeah, kind of... They went. Fast. Now, were they all out before you read them all? All the books were out. Okay. I remember seeing the sixth movie in the theater. Okay. And then I saw them from there, I think. All right. So, I read the first Harry Potter book because your mother nagged me and nagged me <laughs> until I read it. She said, this book is so great, you'll love it. And I'm just like, it's a kid's book because... Yeah, they you started know, out as a kid's book. Well, and they were kind of kids' books all the way through, but she mm-hmm. wrote them in such a way that the the books kind of grew with the kids who originally wrote them. Right. Or read them. Yeah. So I finally said to her, I said, you know, finally she had said it enough times. I picked it up one day and I sat down and I think I read, I think I read the book in like three days. Yeah, it's... And it was, it was good. 200 pages. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. And mm-hmm. I, and it was, it was fun and everything. And then the second book I read... And the third book I read, and I just kind of went through them, and each one kept getting thicker and thicker yeah. and longer and longer. And um, so then the movie started coming out, and then so you know at that point I think I think I had read them all by the time the movies came out, but I remember thinking, oh, the movies are coming out, I got to sit down and read these books again. So I sat down, I read the first book before the first movie, and I then I watched the movie, and I went, well, they're similar but they're not really the same thing mm-hmm. so you know you got the uh the harry potter and, and the uh the sorcerer stone mm-hmm. um and when we say sorcerer stone the british call it the uh philosopher's the philosopher stone and so what that does is it imparts upon the person who creates the the stone the um the uh to be immortal you basically it makes the elixir of life so, yeah, you become immortal and you, like, don't age as much. Right. You age much slower and yeah. if you keep drinking the elixir, yeah, you, you don't die. So, what about the first book do you like? I, you know, I just like, I really like the story and how in-depth the whole world is. And, like, the first book, it is definitely the, you know, the youngest, I guess. You know what I right. mean? Like... If I were to go back and read it now, because it's not like I haven't read them more than once, but like if I were to read it right, like right now, I'd probably blow through it if I had the time in a day or two. And like, I really like it. I'm kind of, I've read it and everything so many times that like, it's just kind of there now. Like, So what about that first book drew you in though? Oh, <laughs> I don't, you know, was it the yeah. characters? You I know, think... you said you the immersion of the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she does it in such a way, J.K. Rowling does mm-hmm. the immersion of the world in such a way that even when she throws something new at you, in the back of your head, you're always like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Mm-hmm. And I read a lot um, of authors who get very detailed into the histories of their worlds. Mm-hmm. And she does the same thing, but in a way that doesn't become tedious. Like yeah, if you it's read, like not boring to a seven-year-old or whatever. Right. If you read Stephen King, mm-hmm. or you read, um, oh, the guy who wrote The Hobbit, um, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien. You read Tolkien. They are great authors, but they get. I mean, there are parts in the books, especially the Lord of the Rings trilogy, mm-hmm. where Tolkien goes so far into depth. You can literally, you know, jump ten pages at a time, and he's still talking about the same area of trees, you know, and yeah. it's like, but she gets that same feel of immersion mm-hmm. in a much different way. Yeah. Um. So, but what is it? I mean, you're you're 
and and to put this in a nice way, you have this small addiction to Harry Potter. Yeah, that's not wrong. <laughs> so what is it about? And I, and I want to break it down by books, okay? Right. So right. in the first book, what is it about the story that really engages you? Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know how to answer this question completely. Like, I feel like, like obviously, I don't know what I was thinking before fourth grade. I'm guessing. Like, when I'm sitting here thinking about it, I was probably eight or nine rather than seven or eight. But either way. Um, <laughs> right, but even now, I'm not yeah. asking for when you read it the first time. Right. I'm just, in general, what, when you pick it up, what is that one thing in that book that you want to read again? Or, you know. To be honest, now it's kind of the familiarity, in a way. Because, like, I know I'm not answering this question how you want me to. But... No, that's fine. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, I kind of. Even though I didn't read them as they were coming out, I feel like I grew up with the characters in a way, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I feel like, like, when I pick up those books again, it's, like, kind of, like, going back to, like, hang out with an old friend. Like, obviously, that's not exactly how, like, it's a weird way to describe a book, but, like, I feel like that's kind of what it is, is, um, and, like, I don't know, I just, I love how magical everything is like that sounds dumb but well i can remember when you were a little bit younger mm-hmm. and you 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 were always waiting for that letter to come even yeah. though you really probably didn't think the letter was ever no. going to come but you're always like maybe one day i'll go to the mailbox and my letter will be there Yeah, exactly like it's just realistic enough that you feel like you could be one of those kids but it's so fantastical and like different and you're just like wow this is like you know, like, what I want in life kind of thing. Right. So give us a quick rundown. What happens in book one? Okay, so in the first book, Harry's this little, well, not little, he's an 11-year-old who kind of, who lives with uh, his aunt and uncle because his parents died, and his aunt and uncle are, like, mean. They're mean to him. He sleeps under the stairs, you know, like, um, and then they, (laughs) his house is, like, Filled with letters from these owls. So these owls come and they bring these letters and the letters are like, yo, like you can go to Hogwarts. And Harry's like, what's Hogwarts? And then, but his aunt and uncle know because Harry's parents were wizards, but his aunt and uncle are not. So his aunt and uncle know and they kind of like bring him out to this like remote island. And then this guy comes in, this gigantic like Harry wizard. (laughs) And he comes in and he's like, Harry, you're a wizard. And Harry's like, no, I'm an 11-year-old boy. Like, what are you talking about? And then Hagrid is this guy, right? And he's like, you're a wizard. So they go to school. Harry goes, it's a, board, it's a boarding school. It's Hogwarts. And it's for wizards and witches. And he goes and he meets people. He, like, gets his first friends. And then um, this, these things keep happening. Like, this gigantic like mountain troll comes into school and i don't know and so all these things these these bad things keep happening and then harry learns well he learns about it before but then he kind of connects harry's parents were were killed by this bad guy voldemort and voldemort is back in a way like (laughs) and harry finds out and basically um they this guy this teacher I, I okay. There's a sorcerer's stone, right? And <laughs> the sorcerer's stone is like hidden in um Gringotts. Well, Gringotts first, yes, and then well, Hagrid's bringing Harry shopping in the beginning before like first school supplies. Then they take it out of Gringotts, and Hagrid gives it to Dumbledore, and all of these little things come together. For Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Ron and Hermione are his friends. Um, they all come together and they like, they go on this kind of mini adventure thing through like the, like these like little, like back, this back tunnel thing like of Hogwarts. Under Hogwarts. Yeah, basically. And, um, they have to go through all these trials and at the end is the Sorcerer's Stone. And this teacher, Quirinus Squirrel, um, is he, he's also there, and he has Voldemort on the back of his head. Like so he's possessed. He's by... basically possessed by Voldemort, 
And Voldemort's trying to get the stone, and Harry's trying to get the stone away from Voldemort. And eventually, you know, Harry gets rid of Voldemort for a while, and he gets the stone and he brings it back to Dumbledore. And Dumbledore's friend, Nicholas Flamel, is the one who, like, made the stone. And so Nicholas Flamel, Flamel and Dumbledore are both super old because of this stone, right? And Nicholas Flamel is, like, way older. But Dumbledore's still pretty old. <laughs> and How old is Dumbledore? He's, like, 150 or something. Yeah, at least. He's not quite 200. I know he's between, like, 150 and 200. Um, and so at the end, basically, they, the, they, um, they destroy the stone and they're left with a little bit of the elixir of life. And then Nicholas Lamel and his wife use it until it goes dry and then he's dead and whatever. And that's the end. And it's, like, happy ending, even though I just ended it with a guy dying. Well, like, that's not how it really... I'm so right. bad at explaining things. No, you're doing fine. You're doing <laughs> fine. So then the second book is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. And in this one, I'm going I'm to try to do it a little more succinctly. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so in the second book, they go back to school, um, and then people start being turned to... Well, I petrified. Sto- petrified. They're not really turned to stone. They're just... They're immobile. They, they, they can't talk. They can't do anything. Um, but they're in a state of, of stasis. They're not actually dead, but they're not really living at this point either. Right. And Harry keeps hearing these words, um, coming through the walls, uh, which are in the pipes, um, that nobody else hears. People will hear hissing, but he hears words. Right. And if you jump back to the first book, you find out that Harry is what they call a parcel tongue. Right. So he speaks the language of snakes. Right. But he didn't know until the second book. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. He, I mean, there's, there's, uh. Because he talked to the snake in the first book. Yeah, but he didn't, he thought it was because he was a wizard. He finds out in the second book that not every wizard can talk to snakes. Oh, okay. So I guess, yeah. So anyway, he hears all these things about killing and death and blood and mm-hmm. all these things, and it just keeps going and going. There's a professor of, uh, is he the professor of dark arts? Probably. Uh, uh, Lock, Lock, Lockhart. Lockhart. Yeah, yeah, he's the. Dark so Gilderoy Lockhart. He is the. Uh, he's the mm-hmm. new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher because Quirrell was the first one, and after they got Voldemort out of him, he, he was kind of turned to dust. Yeah. So, and, um, so they do all this stuff, and Gilderoy, um, isn't as good of a wizard as he claims to be in all his books and everything. (laughs) So, (laughs) the boys, uh, Harry and, and, and Ron, and not Hermione, she's not one of the boys, but Harry, Ron, and Hermione, they figure out what's going on, and they go after this, um, Basculus. Well, actually, no, it's just, Rot or Harry, isn't it? Because uh, uh, Hermione is already petrified. Oh yeah, Hermione gets petrified. And Ron is Ron with him. Yes, Ron is with him. So they go down. They fight the Basilisk. They end up killing the Basilisk. And they also find this in, in the throughout the movie. Harry had found this old book, uh, which ended up being a uh, it was uh, a Horcrux, something that keeps part of Voldemort alive. Which you don't know until the seventh book. <laughs> right. You don't know this, but I'm, yeah. I'm kind of making things right. quick here. So this Horcrux, and in order to defeat the Basilisk and to defeat uh, Tom Riddle, because I don't think they even make the connection that he's Voldemort, do they? Yes. In the book, do they? they? Do. Yeah. Okay. So in order to beat him, though, this time, they take a fang from the Basilisk and they shove it, they jam it into the book, and... It defeats the power of the book. They destroy one of the Horcruxes. They've got to, uh, of several that they have to do in the other books. Um, and, and that's the end of the book for that one. Mm-hmm. So the third book, which is Harry Potter and... The Prisoner of Azkaban. The Prisoner of Azkaban. This is where we meet Sirius Black. Yes. And uh, Sirius Black is actually a part of a family that... Uh, an old, pure-blooded wizarding family. Mm-hmm. I think the third book is the first time you hear the phrase mudblood. Maybe. No, second book. Second book? Maybe. It might be in the first. But anyway, so you hear the word. <laughs> yeah, it it kind of goes around this whole purity of blood. Right. Uh, is the whole overbearing topic. But basically, Sirius Black escapes from Azkaban, which is the wizarding jail. 
Um, it's supposed to be unable to be uh, yeah, escaped from. It's out. it's it's the wizard's Alcatraz. Yeah, that's Caban Alcatraz. Yeah. You know, right. yeah. So anyway, um, he escapes. He's being hunted, and the whole you find out as it goes along that he's actually Harry's godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, he was friends with Harry's dad and mother, and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And he's also supposed to be the person who killed them. Or, like, right. betrayed them to Voldemort. Right, that's what they think, that's but you find think. out that's not true. Right. Um, and so, he finds Harry, they they create this friendship, and but then he has to leave at the end of the show, or at the end of the movie, because he's still being hunted. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry wants to go with him, he can't. Um, and uh, we also find out that uh, he is what they call a uh, animagus. Mm-hmm. Because he can turn into this gigantic black dog. Mm-hmm. And so, you'll also meet um, Professor Lupin, who is... Remus Lupin, who is, was one of their friends. Um, and you also find out who... Um, the guy who really betrayed them to Voldemort, which was the fourth guy in this group they called the Marauders. Um, and it was basically just these four... Like Hogwarts so, there was friends. it was it was James Potter, James Potter, Remus Lupin, Sirius Black, and Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew was really the one who um, betrayed them to Voldemort, right? And he's kind of Voldemort's toady throughout. Yeah, and um, he, yeah, and I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, in the third book, they they find all this stuff out. Um, is the third book where we get the Marauders map? The Marauders map, which they they created, and basically it tells you where and who everybody is in Hogwarts. Right. You open it up, you say, "I uh, sw- I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good." Mm-hmm. And these uh, feet appear, and it has little names over them, and the whole works. Right. And then when you're done with it, you say, um, "Mischief managed." And it just becomes a blank piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So Super cool. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the third book in a in a. Uh, they don't fight uh, Voldemort in the third book, do they? No, nope. no, he's not he's not in that at all. Other than mentions really. because yeah. of Sirius. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth book is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The Goblet of Fire. Goblet so tell, of Fire. Tell us about the Goblet of Fire. Okay, kind of the way that? I've been doing it, not right. the way you did the first one. Right? Yeah, gotcha. that, that was not. Cool, but okay. Um, so the Goblet of Fire, there's this like uh interschool like it's kind of like I don't know how to it's a challenge, it's a I'm well, losing if, the word. To it's put a, it into to put it into a into a real world situation. Right. It's kinda like if you're from the Wasa area, you know about the East West game. Mm-hmm. And they have a log. Right. Well, this is the Tri Wizard Tournament. Tournament and, is the and there is a Tri Wizard Cup. Right. And so, um, there's three schools. There's, uh, Durmstrang, which is a school in, like, the Russia area, kind of. Um, there's Bobotons, which is... France. France, yes. And Hogwarts. And there's supposed to be one student from each school competing in this tournament. Um, but somehow Harry's name... By the way, you're not allowed to be able. You're not allowed to be chosen until you're a certain age. Harry was under that age, but somehow, after Cedric Diggory, the guy from Hogwarts, was chosen. Um, a fourth name was. A fourth name was chosen, and it happens to be Harry because why wouldn't it be? Um, and so now, and Harry's like, "Well, I'll just like not compete," and Dumbledore is like, "Yeah, no, you gotta. The cup's in charge." So this cup is like, yeah. So Harry's. Part of the Triwizard Tournament. They still call it the Triwizard Tournament, even though there's four people. And they go through this series of, um, like, challenges. So, like, they have to, like, steal an egg from a dragon. They have to save their friends that are in the bottom of the lake. And, um, what, are, what are they, and they're, they're being held by people, right? Yeah, they're being held by people. So, and what are those they, other little nasty things that attack oh, everybody? Jeez, I. Mugwise or something like that? It's. I forgot the name. Um, but, so, there's all these little, um, there's creatures and stuff, and they have to figure out how to breathe underwater for an hour, and all this kind of stuff. So they have to deal with that. And, then, and is it, wasn't there an egg of some sort? 
Uh, the egg was the first one. They had to steal the egg from the no, dragon. No, the egg that they had to put underwater to listen to? Oh, yeah, that's the egg they stole from the dragon, and that gave them oh, the hint. Okay. So when okay. they put it underwater, they heard the more people singing, and that's how they... Knew that, that was, like, their hint that they had to learn how to breathe underwater for 60 minutes. And then um, the third... During the third... Um, third was the, third, the labyrinth, right? Yeah, there was this maze, this labyrinth, and there's all these... Um, different like creatures that they have to fight like they have to fight a sphinx or like get past a sphinx and there's like magical plants that try to like right which they did very little of in the movie right it's much more detailed yeah, in the there's book. a lot more in the book there's like a spider there's a sphinx there's a lot of stuff um and basically when they get to the middle harry and cedric the other guy from hogwarts are like at the cup together. The cup is what they were trying to find. So they get to the cup at the same time and Harry's like, you take it and Cedric's like, you take it. So basically they're like, okay, well, we'll take it together. So they grab it together, expecting to get transported out of the maze back to the stadium and be like the winners. Um, instead, they're transported to a graveyard where um, a bunch of Death Eaters and Wormtail with Peter Pettigrew um, and are like Voldemort sort of are like trying to um like revive Voldemort I guess because he's this little tiny baby worm looking thing right now yeah it's pretty nasty it's pretty nasty (laughs) and they're trying to revive Voldemort um and they do it and then Voldemort's alive and he's like he like tells them to kill Cedric so now Cedric's dead and basically that book ends um Voldemort's back Nobody believes Harry that Voldemort's back, but Cedric's dead, and that's basically how that book ends. <laughs> yep, so which brings us into the fifth book, which is Harry Potter and... The Order of the Phoenix! Now, this is my favorite and least favorite book... All at the same time. ...of the series. Mm-hmm. Because it's my favorite book, because you really get that backstory to yeah. the resistance right. to Voldemort. Yeah. But it's also... Harry is 16, and he's a whiny little bitch. <laughs> and it's a, almost a thousand pages, so you have almost a thousand pages of Harry whining. And when I was 15, and I reread that book, I sat there and I was just like, this is what I feel all the time. And, like, I mean, so, like, she got the writing good. Like, somehow she figured out how to write, like, throughout the books, how to write from... 11, 12, whatever year old perspective. And she did that really well. But, um, it's almost a thousand pages. You get a lot of backstory about Sirius Black and his life. You get a lot of backstory about the Order of the Phoenix, which is, like... And some of the main members, like the Weasleys. Right. And you get a lot of backstory about James and Lily as well. Yes, you do. Um, but basically that book is all about how they're going to defeat Voldemort. Um... Now, is Voldemort in this book? He's there, but, like, he doesn't do a whole lot. Like, like he's in his planning stage. Yeah, he's planning. He's torturing the Muggle Studies teacher or, like, planning what he's going to do. Like, he's not out there doing a whole bunch of stuff yet. Um, And I'm sure I'm missing things because, like I said, the book's almost a thousand pages. There's a lot of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, There's not a... Whole ton a whole ton of conflict of, in that book. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of story. There's a lot of story, story, but not a lot of interaction be- between the sides. Right. There's it's, some it's, at the end. Yeah, but... there, there's a little bit, but it's a lot of... This is the history of Voldemort and, mm-hmm. and his cause and what he does. And here's the history of the guys who don't like him and the people that have died and the people mm-hmm. that have been tortured. You find out things about Neville Longbottom's parents. Yes. Which is a big thing that they don't touch on much in the books at all, which I in the hate. Movies. Or in movies right. at all, which I hate. Well, that's something we're going to talk about a little bit, is the difference between the <laughs> books and the movies. Yeah. Um, so, book five is more of a backstory. I mean, mm-hmm. Harry spends a lot of time whining to um, to uh, Dumbledore that nobody trusts him, nobody, and, and he's, yeah. he's the headpiece of this thing, and 
You know, everybody's telling him how great he is, but yet nobody tells him anything. Right. Like, and he doesn't get to know anything because they're still trying to protect his, like, innocence. Do we learn you know? about the prophecy in this one or the next one? Yeah, in this one. This one, that's the big thing at the end, actually, is there's this whole, like, gigantor room in the Ministry of Magic filled with all of these prophecies that the divination teacher, who everybody thinks is, like, a phony. A phony who's really not. She just is most of the time. Like, okay. She's not a phony. She's not a but phony, but she's not. She's, she she doesn't fake it well enough right. for the times when it's not not right, actually happening. She can't do it on command, and everybody wants her to do it on command. So she's like, ooh, you have the grim and like all this stuff. But she's definitely not a phony. And there's just this gigantic room full of prophecies that she's made and that other people have made. And there's one about. Um, this kid who was born in summer, um, whose parents were killed by Voldemort is like the chosen one, right? And you assume that it's Harry. And it is Harry. It, there's this. But there's also discussion that it might be Neville. It it definitely had a possibility to be Neville, although his parents weren't killed, but like, there's definitely this possibility that it could have been Neville, but they acted it out as if Harry was the one, which is, you know, it's fine. It's, (laughs) he's the one who the books revolve around, so. Um, but in the end, they go to steal a prophecy just as the Death Eaters, which are like Voldemort's henchmen, <laughs> are going to steal it. And there's this big fight, and all these prophecies are like smashed on the ground and destroyed. And, destroyed. and eventually, I think they end up with it. Right? I, th- I think so. I think so. Eventually, even if it's not at the end of the book, eventually they get it. Um, and so, yeah. So that's kind of the fifth book. All right. And so the sixth book, we have Harry Potter and... The Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> now, this one is actually kind of funny because um, Harry is not a half-blood. Nope. Um, well, sort of, because his mom was a muggle. So technically he is... But she wasn't a muggle. Because or his mom was muggle-born. Was muggle-born. So, so there was some uh, dis- discussion yeah. that maybe it was Harry... Um, and then you think, well, maybe it's one of the other kids, and then, but to come to find out, who is the Half-Blood Prince? <laughs> Severus Snape, the potions teacher, who everybody hates, and, um, I mean, everybody in the books. There's definite, uh, sides in, like, real life of people who like Snape as a character, and people I'm who I'm a don't. big Snape fan. I am not. <laughs> um... But anyway, so nobody likes him, and... I like him. They know <laughs> they know that he was at one time a Death Eater, and you find out eventually within the next couple books, or the next book or two, obviously there's only one after this one, but in the next... You find out eventually that he's been a double agent for the majority of the time. Um, so, like, he's still a Death Eater, but not really? Right, he's... He would be what we would call like a double agent. It would be like right. uh, a Russian agent, for those of you that live in the real world, it would be like a Russian agent coming to America, becoming an American agent, but still working for Russia right? kind of thing. So he was a Death Eater. He When when Voldemort went away, mm-hmm. he stopped being a Death Eater. Right. Um, uh, Dumbledore put his faith in him and hired him on it at mm-hmm. Hogwarts, and so he became a good, quote, air quotes here, a good guy. Mm-hmm. But then when you find out throughout the books that when the when they came back and Voldemort came back, that the good guys actually sent him in as a double agent. Right. Because and he was. Right. He became a good guy, actually, because he was like in Give love with. In the end, we'll get that in the yeah, next okay. book. But so. In the seventh book, though, the the big thing is what? What's the big thing that happens in the sixth in, book? In the sixth yeah. book, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, so basically, uh, you find out a bunch of stuff, and then somebody dies. Can I? Are we? Yeah. Going full spoiler here. Okay. Yeah. Th- at this point, if you haven't read the books, I'm sorry. Yeah. We're, we're we've kind of already done a bunch yeah. of spoilers. Okay. So, um, in the end. Draco Malfoy, who is, like, the, like, kid who Harry hates. He is the poster child Slytherin. Right. He, But, like, bad Slytherin, not just, like, Slytherin. He's, like, the reason why everybody thinks Slytherins are bad guys. <laughs> um, he had a really hard life, so, like, whatever. But, like, um, basically, he's being initiated as a Death Eater. And his big thing to get in is Voldemort's making him kill Dumbledore. 
And, you know, he's like, okay, whatever. So he's like, I'm going to go kill Dumbledore. And he disarms Dumbledore. And then Snape comes. And Draco's here just, like, pointing the wand at Dumbledore, like, I'm going to kill you. But he's also, like, freaking out. Yeah, he's not able to he can't pull the do trigger, it. per right. se. And so, basically, Snape steps up, kills Dumbledore. Dumbledore falls off the astronomy tower and, like, is, like, super okay. dead. Now, before you make Snape sound like a really bad guy, well, what did no. Dumbledore say to him? Yeah, no, I was I was getting there. Okay. <laughs> um. So, basically, they had, uh, like, set it up prior because Dumbledore knew that Draco was supposed to be killing him. They set it up prior so that Snape would kill him because Dumbledore was already dying and Dumbledore knew he was dying. Yeah, he was cursed. Yeah, he was cursed by another Horcrux. Yeah. Um, by... Uh, by was it Voldemort's grandfather's ring. Yes. Um, and so his hand, his hand, he had found a way to contain that curse in his hand, but he wasn't going to be able to make it last that much longer. So he knew he was dying. And so he told Snape to kill him instead. And... Harry doesn't know that Snape was supposed to kill him, so then Harry's all like, you're such a coward! And then he, like, uses this spell um, that he found in his potions book, which is where, you know, you find about out about the Half-Blood Prince, because the book was, like, a hand-me-down, and it was, like, property of the Half-Blood Prince, and it had all this, like, super good, like, potion knowledge, and, like, he was, like, the best in his class, even though he sucked at potions, because he had this book that told him how to do it. And in the book, in the margins, there was this spell written called, and it was Sectum Sempra, and all it said was, like, for use on enemies or something. It didn't tell you what it did. Harry actually used it on Draco earlier in the book, and, like, Draco was like, okay, eventually. But basically, it just puts gigantic cuts into whoever you use Yeah, it's like you've been stabbed several times. Yeah. And so Harry tries to use it on Snape, and Snape's like, how dare you use my own spell against me? And er, And Harry's like, what? And Snape's like, I'm the Half-Blood Prince. And Harry's like, oh. <laughs> and then the book basically ends. And then and that takes us into the final book, which is Harry Potter and... The Deathly Hallows. Alright, so I know this is your favorite book. It is? Isn't it? I mean, I like it. It's good. <laughs> it's, I'm not that I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I do like it a lot. Okay, so tell us about Deathly Hallows. Oh god, a lot of stuff happens. Um, So, you know, the whole Voldemort versus resistance thing is going full swing and there's like battles everywhere and people are dying and people are on the run. Um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are sent on this journey to find the rest of the Horcruxes by Dumbledore before he dies. And so that's what they do. They skip their seventh year of school. There are only seven years of Hogwarts, by the way. They skip their last year of Hogwarts to go searching for Horcruxes. And so that they can defeat Voldemort. Because what Horcruxes are is kind of like a piece of your soul. And it's in an object. And you cannot die unless... Completely. Right. Unless all of those objects are gone. And that's why they were able to bring Voldemort back from the dead and everything. Um, So they go in search of these Horcruxes. And they find them gradually. And they figure out how to kill them gradually. Um... And a lot of stuff happens. There's a lot of drama between the three. So can friends. you list off all the Horcruxes? Yeah. So what are the what are the okay. seven Horcruxes? There's the ring, the snake, um, which is Nagini, um, the diary, the cup, the locket, um, the, the well, yeah, Harry's like no, the tiara. Oh, the t- yeah, the diadem, um, and oh gosh. No, I thought he was the eighth. No, he's the seventh. Yeah, okay. They thought there were six. They thought there were six, and then they find out there's seven because Harry himself is a Horcrux because... Now, how did he become a Horcrux? Okay, so when you kill somebody, uh, that's how you make a Horcrux. You have to kill somebody to make a Horcrux, and Dumbledore... er, (laughs) Voldemort (laughs) accidentally, when he killed um, Harry's mom in front of Harry... Um, when he was, like, a baby or whatever. Um, a part of his soul broke off, and it latched to the first thing it saw, and that was Harry. So, basically, this entire time, Harry's had a piece of Voldemort's soul in his body, which explains the parcel tongue, and it explains a whole bunch of stuff throughout the books. Um, but basically, so, all these 
things are killed. And then, um, in the final battle, um, uh, a bunch of people die. Like, a bunch of good people die. And it's really sad. Um, and it, like, ruins Hogwarts. Like, the building and stuff. Um, and at the, er, and throughout the battle, Voldemort's like, you give me Harry Potter and we'll stop attacking you. And they're all like, nah. And <laughs> eventually Harry goes by himself, fights Voldemort, dies a little bit, but then comes back to life because Voldemort somehow killed his part of his soul instead of Harry. I don't really understand it to the full extent because it just never was explained completely. But basically Harry comes back to life. So now there's only one Horcrux left to be destroyed, which is Nagini, um, Voldemort's pet snake. Um, so they go back. Everybody thinks Harry's dead, but then he kind of, like, jumps out of Hagrid's arms, like, hiya! And then Neville Longbottom, like, cuts the head off of Nagini with the Sword of Gryffindor, which is embedded with, um, Basilisk poison, which is one of the things that can kill, um, Horcruxes. So then all the Horcruxes are dead, and Harry and Voldemort fight again. Harry kills Voldemort. The whole thing is over. Death Eaters all run away, and eventually they mostly get caught. Um, and then the um, the whole bunch of stuff happens. And then there's like this epilogue, which I love. I love the epilogue. When I want to read a little bit of Harry Potter, and I don't want to like sit down and read a whole book, I just read the epilogue. It's about the kids... Um, like 19 years later when their kids are going out to Hogwarts and one of his sons, who is named Albus Severus. Severus is Snape's first name. So Harry names his kid after Dumbledore and Snape. And called them what? Two of the... Two of the bravest men he ever knew. And it, and two of the best... Was wizards? No, wasn't what? it two of the best um, headmasters? Oh yeah, two of the best men, head, headmasters Hogwarts ever had, and two of the bravest men he had and the two bravest men he ever knew. Um, and or one, I think he just said Snape was the bravest man he ever knew. Um, and Albus Severus is all afraid that he might get sorted into Slytherin, and Harry's like, yeah, but you're named after a Slytherin, and he was the bravest man I ever knew. And it's just really cute, and yeah. Okay. So now that we've gone through the books, <laughs> I'm going to name off a character. Uh-huh. You tell me about that character a little bit. Uh-huh. And then tell me why you like or dislike that character. Okay. So let's start off with the guy who it's all named for. Uh-huh. Harry Potter. Okay. So Harry is um the boy who lived. He is a Gryffindor. He's a little bit whiny. I tolerate him because... He's, you know, the hero of the story, and he's cool. Like, he's, like, one of those, like, friends you grew up with, and you're like, okay, they're cool. Like, I like them, but, like, I don't love them. You know what I mean? Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I have mixed feelings about Harry Potter, because he's really whiny and annoying. Okay, so do you, overall... Overall, I like him. Okay, you like Harry Potter. All right, next next character. Uh Uh-huh. Hermione Granger. I love her. Okay, so she's also a Gryffindor, but she could easily be Ravenclaw, which is, if you want to, like, break it down, it's like the smart house. She could easily be Ravenclaw, so she kind of brings that to the group. Um, She's the minds of the operation. She is. She's um, muggle-born, so her parents are both dentists, so she knows a lot about dentistry, among many other things. (laughs) She's called the brightest wizard or witch of her age which she totally is she's like the smartest cookie ever and then um i love her she's great um yeah all right elvis dumbledore okay um he is the headmaster he's the headmaster of hogwarts um for a long time he did a lot of good things in my opinion, he did a lot of bad things, and I'm not really a fan of him overall, but I really don't want to get into it, because every time I say that, I argue with somebody, so <laughs> overall, not a huge fan, but most people are. Okay. Um, Minerva McGonagall. Oh my god, I love her. Okay, so she is the head, um, the head of Gryffindor House. She teaches Transfiguration. 
which is like turning one thing into something else. And she's, Mice from matchsticks. Yes. She's super cool. And she's like, like badass, like really badass. But she's like also super strict. So she's like one of those teachers that if you're on her good side, she's great. And if you're not on her good side, she's not as great. Um, she's super loyal, which is like a Gryffindor trait. Um, she, <laughs> she's just really great. I love her. Okay. Um, Draco Malfoy. Okay, so Draco <laughs> is, he had a really hard life. Like, he grew up, I don't think he necessarily wanted to be bad, but that doesn't, that doesn't make what he did okay, but he grew up the child of two Death Eaters. His aunt's a Death Eater. Everybody he grew up with is a Death Eater. And so the guy, <laughs> he didn't want, I don't think he wanted to be bad necessarily, but he also didn't rebel as much as he could have. Um, I don't know. I have really mixed feelings about Draco because he was a big jerk, but he also had a really hard life and you, so you get to so they've uh she wrote there's a play called Harry Potter and the Cursed Child and in that you get a lot more of Draco as an adult and he seems much better like he seems like he's still kind of a jerk though he's still kind of a jerk but I feel like that's more of his personality than what's happened to him I guess like he's okay. a jerk but like he's not unbearable and he cares about his son and he would never do something right. like become a death eater and like hurt his son you know like he cares about his son and his wife more than anything okay the next set of people i'm going to put in a group okay the dursleys <sighs> okay, just so, so everybody there, knows there's, yeah. there's uncle vernon yeah uncle Aunt vernon petunia, Aunt petunia and dudley dudley and i'm going to throw in the ant with the bulldog. Oh my god, Marge. Okay, so Marge is just a character who is... There's nothing redeemable about her character. She kind of turns into a big balloon, and she just kind of floats away. Like, she's not there for very long. Um, but there's nothing redeemable about her. The other two did what they thought they had to. They were not good guardians. They were abusive. They were not physically usually, but very verbally abusive. Um, they weren't cool, but, and they, like, tried to hide all the wizarding stuff from Harry, which I get, because they're, like, the biggest muggles ever, and whatever. Muggle is not a magical person, just in case. Um, Dudley is a big jerk, but also redeems himself a little bit at the end. Petunia redeems herself in a way, because she, because Lily was her sister, well, here's, here's my you argument see for how, Yeah. She could have turned Harry out. Yeah, but exactly. But because of her love for Harry, strange as she showed yeah. it, she kept him there because it protected him and made him safe. Right. Because she liked it. She liked to pretend that she hated Lily. But even if you don't get along with your siblings, you still love them. And that's kind of what it was. And she cared enough about Lily to keep Harry safe. Um, which was good. Vernon kind of just sucked. Yeah, he was... He wasn't great. <laughs> Alright, so... Um, um, Sirius Black. He's a nice dude. I love Sirius. He's great. He's Harry's godfather. He was James Potter's best friend. Um, he... You know, he... He was an outlaw for <laughs> the majority of the time we knew him, or the entire time we knew him, he was an outlaw because he broke out of Azkaban and blah, blah, blah. Um, but he was a really good person overall, for sure. He never did anything on purpose to hurt anybody he cared about. Like, if you want to talk Gryffindor, just... Sirius Black is the Gryffindoriest Gryffindor to ever Gryffindor, but not in the stuck-up way. I mean, yeah, he was stuck-up, obviously. Or not stuck-up, but, like, he, you he know, was, he was he a was brat. Privileged. He was privileged. He was a brat, but he was a, a good person to the people he cared about. So then, um, next up, Ron Weasley. I love that guy. He is Harry's best, or Harry's best friend, besides Hermione. They're all, like, best friends together. 
you're our trio of besties. Yeah, the golden trio. Um, he's super loyal as well. Again, it's a Gryffindor trait. Um, he's brave. He's really brave, but he doesn't realize it, I think. Especially at the beginning. He was so afraid in the beginning that he wouldn't get sorted into Gryffindor, because his entire family is Gryffindor, and blah blah blah, so he was afraid that he wouldn't get sorted into Gryffindor, and I think if I had to sort him into a different house, it would be Hufflepuff. And, um, that's not, by the way, Hufflepuff from, at least coming from my mouth, is not in any way a negative thing, because I'm a Hufflepuff, I love Hufflepuffs, like, and he is definitely Hufflepuffy, like, <laughs> all, all three of the trio could have been in different houses, Harry could have been a Slytherin, Ron could have been a Hufflepuff, and Hermione could have been a Ravenclaw, and whatever, but so, Ron is great, he is, you know, he's, he, he cares about his friends and his family more than anything else, and it's really great, and I love him. All right. <laughs> um, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. Oh, I love them. They're Ron's parents, obviously. They have, like, a hundred kids, actually. I, it's not a hundred, but anyway. it's seven? It's seven or eight, yeah. Wait, let so me it's, count. It's, it's, it's Molly and... Molly and Arthur. Um, they're great. Arthur works at the Ministry of Magic. He works in the Muggle... The Office of Muggle Misuse. Yeah, Misuse of Magical... Or, of Muggle Objects, or something like that. It's a long title, and honestly, I can't remember right now. Um, but he loves Muggles, he loves learning about them, but he also doesn't understand most of it. Um, it's really funny, actually. He's definitely comic relief a lot of the time. Um, Molly is, like, the bravest lady to ever, Molly, know, Molly is badass. She is so badass. Like, she's great, because she's, like, this little, like, chubby witch who's all like, oh, yes, I will make you food, and blah, 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 and she's, like, the sweetest lady ever, but if you get on her bad side, she'll fuck you up. Like, <laughs> it's, it's pretty great. So... Bellatrix. Bellatrix Lestrange is a not a fun person. No, but you know, I have to say, in the movies, oh, Helena Bonham Carter... Super good actress. Yes. But she anyway, does her so well. Anyway, go on with Bellatrix. Bellatrix sucks. I She's maybe a little bit brainwashed. And a whole lot of crazy. A whole lot of crazy. Um, married to um, Rodolphus Lestrange. She's actually part of the Black family originally. Um, so is Draco's mom, by the way. Draco's mom, Narcissa, was a black originally, so they're, like, sisters, and, um, so she just grew up in the wrong place, and she, like, went with it instead of going against it, and she was wacko, and also possibly had a child with Voldemort. Was it Bell? did they decide it was Bellatrix, or did it... They either decided it was Bellatrix or it was heavily implied that it was Bellatrix, <laughs> Bellatrix's kid. So then I think uh, next we've got to go to uh, Lucius Malfoy. Oh God, I don't like that guy. Um, he, I'm pretty sure he kind of chose the Death Eater life. Like he's the one who was like, "Yeah, let's do it." I like Voldemort. He's super stuck up and like super into the whole pure blood thing. Um. He also comes from a really old pureblood family. His hair is weird. Um, I just don't like the guy at all. He was really just not a good parent. He was not a good person. And, you know, he did care about his family to a degree. But he was so... By the end, he was so just afraid that he kind of just went with things. I feel like maybe in the beginning he started out like you know, into Voldemort or whatever, but he just became so afraid that he did whatever Voldemort told him to do. He was the... I, I, if I had to, like, rate people, like, from scared to not scared, he'd be, like, super scared. <laughs> you know, like, he'd be way on the end. Like, he was just scared. Alright. Uh, Severus Snape. <laughs> Again, I have a controversial point of view on Snape. I don't really like him. I think he did good things, like, he did do good things, and he did care about Harry, but he cared about Harry because he was in love with Lily. Um, you know, and you know what, like, 
the Marauders, like, uh, James and his friends were terrible to Snape. They were so mean to Snape. And I hate how mean they were to Snape. Because Snape and Lily were, like, Snape was, Severus was the first friend that Lily had. Uh, first wizard friend that Lily had. And he loved Lily. He truly did love Lily. And he just kind of got dragged into the bad side, kind of. And he didn't... I think he wanted to be there, sort of. But after Voldemort killed Lily, he felt, like, so betrayed. Because I'm pretty sure Voldemort had told him that he wouldn't hurt Lily in any way. Um, But he did hurt Lily. And after that, he was... He... Most of what he did revolved around his love for Lily, to be honest. Now, I have a slightly different view on Severus. Mm-hmm. I think Severus is the hero of the entire series. Right, which is one way to look at it. Not the, <laughs> not the way I look at it, but it's one way to look at it. What, what would be your argument against that? Um, you know, he did do... I mean, yeah, he was... He did enable a lot of what happened, a lot of the good things that happened to happen. But he also verbally abused his students, only cared about Harry because he had promised Lily, and still treated the kid like shit. And honestly, he was just kind of a jerk. (laughs) Alright, and the last one I'm going to ask you about, Voldemort. Oh. You know, he... Started off life as an orphan in an orphanage, um, and I don't think he was ever completely right in the head because he used to, even before he knew he was magic, like he knew what he could do, but he didn't know he like was Like he a knew wizard. he could start fires if right. he wanted to. He started fires, he hurt animals, he scared the other kids, and I know he was lonely, but I don't think he was ever completely sane. I think there was something wrong from the beginning, and just that loneliness and that, like, he felt so outcast all the time. It just kind of turned him into this monster. And then he, yeah. Okay, so last question. Yes. There's all these quizzes and tests out there uh-huh. that you can find out what house you belong in uh-huh. and all this kind of different stuff. Now, I've taken the quiz, and I know what it said for me. Mm-hmm. It says that I am a Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. Or, in some cases, a Slytherin, depending right. on my attitude for the day. Right. Now, does that fit me? Do, do those descriptions fit me, you think? Yeah, I would say so. Because, especially, because you can't just look at the houses at face value. Because if you look at them at face value, Ravenclaw's the smart house, Gryffindor's the brave house, Slytherin's the uh, bad house, and Hufflepuff is the, like, lame house, you know? Like, Hufflepuffs are nice. Like, that's what their thing is. Well, but, Hufflepuffs are finders, right? Yeah, if yeah. <laughs> that's not canon though, sadly. Okay, so now what are what what do the the uh tests tell you? Okay, so I am Okay, so I'm I get Hufflepuff and Gryffindor pretty uh interchangeably, but I definitely like I feel Hufflepuff more like down in my soul. <laughs> Um, but I'm definitely a Hufflepuff. There's this quiz out there. It's like 160 some questions. And it I've never taken forever. that quiz. It's called the Comprehensive House Quiz. You should go take it. It's super good. And it's like way better than the Pottermore quiz. Don't spend your time on the Pottermore quiz unless you just don't. Unless you like, okay, the Pottermore quiz is really easy to manipulate if you know a lot about the. <laughs> okay. Okay. We we get it. Don't don't. And if you want to manipulate it and tell it, have it tell you what you want it to tell you. Right. Take the Pottermore quiz. Right. And if I'm not you, saying Pottermore is bad because that's super cool. But like, okay. And if you itself. want to actually take an in depth, really good quiz about it, it's called what again? The Comprehensive House Quiz. If you look that up, you probably find it. It has like way a lot of questions. So so Google that and yeah. Uh, while you're doing the Googles, you should find it. Yeah, because that one gives you percentages. It gives it gives out two hundred percent. So you get like you get percentages of all four. All four basically. I'm not sure if it's two hundred percent or if you just get the percentage that you match. I think it's you get the percentage that you match to each house. So most of the time my Hufflepuff and Gryffindor are pretty close to fifty fifty. 
and then it goes Ravenclaw, and then it goes Slytherin. Okay. Um. Well, it has been a blast. Yeah. Did you have fun? Uh-huh, I did. All right, so we're going to come back to you in just a minute with the quote of the day. Okay. But first, I got a few other uh, paperwork housekeeping kind of things. Okay. So, now next week, as I told you guys last week, next week is my second teenage girl in a row. I have I have two solid weeks of that, so I had Emma this week. Next week, uh, a buddy of mine, his daughter, Vanessa, uh, Vanessa Tiemann, will be on. She is uh, also a very opinionated young lady. Um, I have no idea what she's going to want to talk about. I can almost guarantee it's not going to be Harry Potter. Um, but we'll find that out. So, um, we'll tune in next week and we will, uh, talk to Vanessa and we'll see how that all goes. Uh, mailbag time. Guess what? Empty again. And I'm just wondering, should I just stop telling you that you can send me email to whose podcast is it at gmail.com to get mentioned on the podcast or to volunteer to be a guest on the podcast? No, I want you to email me at whose podcast is it at gmail.com because that's how this works. I want to read anything you want to send to whosepodcastisit at gmail.com. So go ahead and send your emails to whosepodcastisit at gmail.com. All right, so back to you, Emma. Quotes of the day. I'm going to call it quotes of the day because I found two. Okay. Um, it is from a single source, so I will read both of them to you. And then you tell me if you can guess who it is. Okay. Quote number one. It's true. I don't tolerate fools, but then they don't tolerate me, so I'm spiky. Maybe that's why I'm quite good at playing spiky elderly ladies. And the second one. Listen, I must be 110 by now. Granny is going to kick the bucket at some point. Maybe Smith? Yep, they are from Maggie Smith. I love her. We have the same birthday, right. by the way. And you know, you're taking my notes here. I so I wrote, oh. Maggie Smith, who shares a birthday with our guest... She's also known as Minerva McGonagall in the Harry Potter series of movies and Violet Crawley, Dowager Countess of Grantham on Downton Abbey. Mm -hmm. So until next time, good night. <laughs>